Hello and welcome to the All Purpose NFL Podcast with AP and Trey. I am AP. He is Willie Trey Wheeler. It's week two. Willie, how, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. I really enjoyed week two. I didn't get to watch it as much live on Sunday, but I did go back and watch some stuff afterwards. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk about these games. And we're going to kick it off with the Chargers and the Titans. Well, we've talked about this on multiple occasions, Brandon Staley and the situation surrounding the Chargers. They made the decision last year to get rid of the offensive coordinator and bring in a brand new one. They brought in someone who I think most would say a lot of the shine wore off last year, but it seems like he has a lot to show in Kellen Moore. I think that Kellen Moore is a pretty good offensive coordinator. I think it's been shown that he can draw up a pretty good offense at times. However, Brandon Saley is a bad head coach. On top of being a bad head coach, me and you talked about this earlier today, and I feel kind of awkward about it. He is a former defensive coordinator and a defensive guy, and his defense seems to be the problem at this point in time. But I know that me and you have talked about it before. I feel like there's a disconnect with being a defensive coach and being a head coach that causes more problems for when when people become a head coach. I think that you have to be an exceptional leader of men to be able to be a very good defensive head coach especially because generally it seems like when when defensive coordinators become head coaches, their defense starts lacking. And it's because they got to focus so much on defense that having to give the reins over to the defensive coordinator causes more problems for them. Would you agree with that? I can agree with that 110%. We've seen it happen before. Unfortunately, like right now, Mr. Todd Bowles, the defense isn't the same in Tampa. It's not bad. It's definitely far from bad. But it's it's just not the same one since he's been promoted. I'm glad he did get promoted to see a you know a black head coach. We need more of those. But the defense isn't the same. That's just what it is. Yeah. And so you have Brandon Staley, who I'll be honest with you, both of us didn't think he would have a job at the end of that Jacksonville game. But lo and behold, he said whatever it took to get him to stay, and he is currently the head coach. I do not believe he will continue to be the head coach much longer. I could see him being fired by week five because week three, they get the Vikings. They should win that game, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. And it's a one o'clock kick, so you're going to get good Kirk Cousins. Week four, they get the Raiders. Again, a game that they should win. But at this point, Willie, can you see them losing it? Uh, one of those two. Uh, I don't I mean, I don't see them losing to the Raiders. Uh, like uh, we talked about in a previous podcast, I think the Raiders will end up in the Drake May sweepstakes. They don't know it yet. But I will plan for that. But the Vikings game, I do believe, will be a situation where it will be similar to the the Dolphins game 
back and forth, high-octane offense, nobody can stop a dead cockroach type of situation. The Raiders game would have been a division game, be more nip and tuck, but I could easily see them winning, losing one of those games. It's just I don't see the Raiders beating them. Well, I'll put it this way. If they start off 0-4, if they somehow lose the Raiders game, is it at the Raiders or at San, or at Los, uh, Los Angeles? It is at Los Angeles. Yes, if they lose that game and start off 0-4, actually it doesn't even matter. If they start off 0-4, he, I don't see how he gets back in the facility. Here's one really good, interesting things. You bring up the idea of it being a home game. One, it's the Raiders who travel. And two, it's in L.A., which is how close to Oakland? So it could end up being a road game because the Rams just had to play a road game against the 49ers at L.A. But if he starts off 0-1-4, you can't bring him back. I don't see a, I don't see how you bring him back. I just don't. I'm with you. I don't see how they bring him back if he starts on four. And he might make it to the bye week, but I could see them going ahead and getting rid of him. Willie, here's a really interesting stat that I know you know, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. In the past four games, the Raiders have scored a total of 108 points. They've lost all four. That's a, that's that's sad. Plain and simple, that's sad. I mean, in comparison, now think about it. If you include the playoff game that my Cowboys lost, in their last three games, the Cowboys have allowed 29 points combined. Hold on a second, Willie. I got to do my math again because I think it might be worse. It's worse, Willie. They have scored 30 points a game in their last four games and lost all of them. I don't really know what you can say as far as, like, he does not need to be brought back, but, he, I mean, he will. What was funny was someone asked him after this game, they were like, hey, do you feel like there's any carryover from the Jaguars game? And he, like, lost it on the reporter. And I was like, I'm going to need you to calm down, sir, because it's a valid question. Y'all had one of the most soul-crushing losses you could have in the playoffs. And then you come out and lose. Granted, the first game you lose in a shootout to Miami, but you lose. And then you come out in week two against a team that you are better than. Have four drives to end the game that would have put you up to a point where you don't lose. And you go punt, punt. Field goal punt. You were up 21 to 17 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And you let them go on a 10 to 3 run. And you had three drives, four drives, one of which in overtime, which was a three and out. And you have arguably one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. You have a wide receiving core that is phenomenal when they're on the field together. I'm glad you fixed it. When they're on the field together, you have one of the most formidable wide receiver groups. You have a solid backup in Josh Kelly. And when he's healthy, Austin Eckler, why are y'all still losing these games? At some point, you got to look at coaching. But I'm going to go back to this, and then I'm going to let you talk. 
if you think about it, Anthony Lynn had very similar problems. Brandon Staley is having these problems. And I know there are people who will be like, oh, well, it's because they're a defensive coach. No, they're they're bad at coaching. They're bad at being a head coach. But I'm going to say what you say all the time, Willie, they are cursed. So That's what I was going to get at. Yeah, go ahead. That's what I was going to get at. They, okay, for our listeners at home, I believe that don't know, I heavily believe in curses, sports curses. Heavily do. That That is my stick. That's what I'm going to stick to. That's how I roll. No, it does, it's not that Anthony Lynn can't coach. It's not that Brandon, well, I don't know. It's not that Brandon Staley can't coach. They're cursed. They are cursed. That's what they are. I haven't figured out what they did yet. Normally when I say a team is cursed, I will provide some type of evidence. For example, I think the 49ers, longest Kyle Shanahan is coaching, will ever be cursed at the quarterback position due to what happened with him in RG3. For ones that don't know, Mr. Shanahan was the offensive coordinator when RG3 leg went in like four different places multiple times during the season, and they still trotted him back out there. But the Chargers, there's no way you can be this immensely talented. I mean, AP, we've talked about it offline. We're talking about the same defense that has Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., and Derwin James, and your garbage at defense. It makes no logical sense how you have that many talented players. They've played together for at least a year now, because I think this is Asante's second or third year, and you can't play defense with those pieces? I, I don't. I don't understand the disconnect. So it has to be. You're just cursed. Maybe they acquired the team in some wrong fashion. I don't know, but there there is something wrong here with this organization. It's it's bigger than Brandon Staley. It's bigger than Anthony Lynn's problems in late game situations. It's it's bigger than Justin Herbert basically being damn fouts all over again. It's bigger than LaDainian Thomason all of a sudden magically tearing his ACL right before the AFC title game and tried to play on it. Uh, no, 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 no. He no, he has something else. Phillip Rivers played on a torn ACL. It's, it's bigger than having the number one offense and defense and still somehow special teams keeps you out of the playoffs by themselves. It's This is an organizational issue. Somebody or something needs to look, in, look into this beyond-the-box score because you don't have the teams that they have had as far as talent-wise, and you just fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. No way this possibly happens without – there's some bad juju around that building, around that organization. I do not know – like I said, I do not know what it is. But something needs to change. And until it does or until whatever dirt was done that comes to the light, I think they'll be in this forever hamster wheel of having immensely talented players and doing absolutely nothing with them. I mean, we're talking about an organization over the past 30 years, not 30 years, 20, we'll just say 20, that's given us Phillip Rivers. There's giving us LaDainian Thomas. There's giving us Antonio Dace. There's giving us Lorenzo Neal. There's giving us Vincent Jackson. There's giving us Antonio Cabardi. There's giving us, okay, we can go back even further, Junior Seau. Like, you, you, they, uh, not to mention everybody else that I just named is currently on the team now. 
Rashawn Slater, like at the rate is going, if he stays healthy, will be at the very least in the Hall of Very Good. You have all this talent. You mean to tell me you ain't even sniffed an appearance? I mean, we're, like in comparison, like the Titans made the Super Bowl in spite of Jeff Fisher. You made a Super Bowl with Mr. A. Nate, and they've had far less talent than you've ever had. There's something wrong over there. And until somebody figures it out, like I said, they're going to be in this hamster wheel forever. That's my thoughts on the Chargers. All valid thoughts. I feel like we should, you know, hit the Titans a little bit. It was a solid game for the Titans. I think that when I looked at what they had, I did not believe they would have a good season. And so the idea that they are one and one doesn't surprise me. Actually, no, I thought they would be 0-2. I did not see them winning this game. Realistically, it, it, it I feel like it's more the fault of the Chargers that they did even that they were in the Titans were even in the game in the way that they were. Ryan Tannehill had a pretty good game. Um Ryan Tannehill is always interesting to me because the, he has these games where he is super efficient, like 20 of 24, but he was also sacked five times. He didn't throw any interceptions this week after, you know, throwing three the first week. Derrick Henry had a solid game, 25 for 80 yards and a touchdown, which is what we expect. Traylon Burks has one of the most interesting stat lines to me, Willie. Traylon Burks had three catches for 76 yards. Wasn't one catch like 65 of them? No, one of those was 70. Copy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the Titans will be all right. I don't think the Titans defense gets enough credit for how good it has the tendency to be. With Kevin Byer, with Jeffrey Simmons, I think that they will continue to grow. Well, those two won't, but I think their defense doesn't get as much credit as it should. And it's a good defense. But yeah, I, I think that this was more fault of the Chargers than it was win by the Titans. Well, with the Titans, as you know, I do have them winning the division. I'm not just going to pass it over yet because it did take a monumental collapse for them to even be in that situation. I think the Titans are a good football team. They're, of course, offensively challenged. Their blocking is atrocious. Not atrocious if I've seen other places, like i.e. the Jets, but they're physical. They're going to be fundamentally sound. They have some newer guys up front blocking, so I don't expect Henry to be as productive as he was back in the past. I do believe if Tannehill can just spread the ball around and not try to force-feed D-hop like he did the first game, and that led to those interceptions, even though despite those interceptions, he only lost the game by one point on the road, that says a lot about your defense. That says monumental things about your defense. But I still got them winning the division. I think they'll be fine. It's just they're very, very limited. I think they're limited offensively of what they draw up. But also, I think it's part of due to the personnel grouping that they have. So we'll see as time goes on with the Titans. But I do expect more of their games to probably be 24-21-ish for the rest of the season. Makes sense. Now we're going to move on and talk about Bears, Buccaneers. Interestingly enough, 
this is another situation where there's not much to say about the Buccaneers. Baker had a pretty good game, 26-34, 317 yards. Mike Evans was, you know, Mike Evans. Just to mention this for a second, it is interesting to me that they did not sign him to an extension. I understand why they didn't sign him to an extension, but it's Mike Evans. I can't think of another one, and maybe you can in this moment. Can you think of another Hall of Fame wide receiver for the Buccaneers? Are we counting – no, he's not a Hall of Famer. He never will be. But so we're not counting Keyshawn, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the closest you're gonna get. No, we're not counting Keyshawn. There is no Hoffa for the Buccaneers at the wide receiver's position. This this is this is it. This is what they'll have. And they're just gonna let him walk. I don't think I if I were the organization, I would let him walk. He's he's been too good and he's he's oft injured. However, in being injured and missing games, he's still, you know, Mike Evans. Uh, I got to agree with not re-signing him, though. I have to only for this reason. You know you're in a rebuild. This is this is this year. I mean, it counts, but this is your last dart in the arrow. I mean, dart through arrow in the dark. You brought in Baker. This is Baker's last stop as a starter. Kyle Trash definitely isn't the answer. You can't afford to pay a guy $25 million for on a team that's probably next year, because I see them more than likely going after or trading up to get a rookie quarterback. They go, what, 6-11? and 11? I get it. It's Mike Evans, the loyalty. He wants to be a buck for life. No, he doesn't. By week, If he's, he can sign that extension today, by week four next year, he's going to be sick of it. At least with Jameis, and much as people want to rip on Jameis, they were at least competitive. There's going to be a bunch of games with their rookie. They're not going to be competitive at all. You really think he's going to want to sit there for that? I, already, I understand he has his ring. He already got it. But at the same time, that no, Michael, M- M- Mr. Mr. Evans don't need to go out that way. Let him walk. Let him find a contender. Let him make an impact. We want to see Mike Evans on the big stage. Not on a team. It's trying to rebuild, reload, retool. Probably going to be with a rookie head coach, too, because if this season don't go where I could see them getting rid of Todd Bowles, unfortunately, start the whole regime over. Mike Evans don't need to be a part of that. Let him walk. Let, let him go somewhere. Preferably, I'll be honest, I would like to see him with Pat Mahomes, but that's just me being biased. That's not fair. Lam- <laughs> Life ain't fair. Brock Purdy got the easiest job in America. Plain and simple. I, I I would like to see him with Lamar or Mr. Mahomes. That's just me. I know a bunch of other teams could use Mr. Evans services. But I would like to see him with a chance to win another one. So here's what's funny to me. I think I don't think you're wrong, but I disagree because if anything, what you would want for a rookie quarterback is a veteran wide receiver who you know will be a stabilizing force. Like where most people have to go and get a wide receiver for their young quarterback, you have one in the building. You technically have two because you still got Chris Godwin. But Chris Godwin, for being great, ain't Mike Evans. So I agree with you with the mindset that Mike Evans would be 
sick of the contract, but in that same token, he got his ring. He just playing for the money now. At this point, he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think he'll be a first ballot, but I don't think he's going to have to wait more than three years. If DeMarcus were in a first ballot, I don't want to hear about anybody being a first ballot, to be honest with you. True. He's a Hall of Famer. At this point, it's just about the money. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Evans went to Cleveland if they were like, hey, we're going to give you $21 million. <laughs> Why am I going to Cleveland? Because they pay me. That's it. I think the, the best place for Mike Evans to go would be Miami. But that's because it's Miami. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, South Beach, I don't know if he's single or not, but South Beach, you don't have to be the guy because you got two young studs around you. You got a coach that will throw it like 9,000 times. Yeah, that don't sound like a bad idea on this list. It's South Beach. Um. He married with three kids. He needs to go to Kansas City. That's where he needs to go, Kansas City. He don't need to go to no South Beach. Yeah, I don't think going to South Beach is a good idea either. So let's put him in Kansas City where he'll actually catch the ball. And let, yeah, let's let's put him somewhere boring, got good barbecue. His quarterback is also married. I think that's a great situation. Let's not send him to South Beach. Let's not do that. No. No, he 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 needs to. But and, I mean, he he looked like he happy with his wife. They look happy. So I, I I don't know if South Beach would be bad for him, but at this point, yeah, go for the money. Go just go stro- solely for the money. But also, you got to find out where Ashley want to be cuz Ashley might want Ashley might not want to go to Cleveland. Want to go to Los Angeles. And that's okay, because odds are, by week five, one of them two wide receivers is going to be hurt, and you'll be back in your number one spot. Or he can go to the Rams. In the same situation? Yes, but again, it ain't about the situation. It's about the money. But 25 mil in L.A. don't stretch as far as 25 mil in Kansas City. Very true. Very, very true. But you already made, Mike Evans has made in his career $110 million. Uh, he'll be all right. Yeah. And they just gonna, they going to add 25 to it. He'll be all right. But what I really want to talk about was the Bears. We, got, we dove into the weeds of the Buccaneers, who, again, just to throw this out there, Buccaneers, Saints, Falcons, all to and off. We said in the preview, this would be a good division and – we wouldn't know who, like, there would be a hard time separating them. And realistically, the Panthers have gotten beat up on by two of the teams in the division. But there's a very real chance that when the Saints face the Falcons, they can, it's a toss-up. When it's the Buccaneers and one of those teams, it'll be a toss-up. Like, this division will be really interesting to find, to see what they do. But let's talk about the Bears. First off, this is the most hilarious stat to me in particular, Mr. Wheeler. Do you know that Justin Jefferson? Not this stat, no, but the people got to hear it. The people got to hear it. Justin Jefferson is the all-time – if he was on the Bears, he would be the all-time leading receiver for the organization. Considering. 
this the Bears organization all time single season leading passer is Jay freaking Cutler. I'm not surprised. So, Nothing about the Bears in lack of offensive capabilities surprises me at this point. So there are a couple of things that surprised me about this day. First off, I figured Alshon Jeffrey would have had more. Like in the course of his four years playing there, I figured Alshon Jeffrey would have more than 4,500 yards. Not that I think he was that great, but in my mind, he was good enough to have more than he had. Secondly, Willie, do you know who the fourth leading receiver for the Bears is all time? I I don't know, but I'm going to take a shot in the dark. Matt Forte. No, he's seven. But you're close because it's not a wide receiver. If you tell me Dick Buckus, not Big Dick Buckus, Mike Ditka. He's still on. He's five. Jesus wept. <laughs> it's Walter Payton, Willie. Copy that. Like, I, like, I'm, because, like, in my mind, I never thought of Walter Payton catching the ball, so the idea that he's fourth for them is ridiculous. So, yeah, that, that is where we currently are when it comes to how, what is going on with their receivers and the offense that is run and has been run as an organization with the Bears. Now, let's talk about Justin Fields. Well, you said from jump, you thought that was going to ruin the key. At this point, yeah. at this point, me and you have discussed that there's a lot of conversation about moving on from him. As if in year three, in year two in a system that, let's be honest, we didn't look at the system last year and think it was that effective. We are in week two, and he hasn't looked great. There was that play where there was a man wide open that he just didn't see and missed out on a touchdown and took the sack. Those types of things have happened. I think people are too ready to get like move on from him, especially considering the fact, Willie, if Justin Fields passes for 2,000 yards – just 2,000 with He will be the 10th highest passer in Bears history. What, what am I supposed to say to that, man? It's the Bears. It's the Bears. Uh, can, can I go in for a second? Hold on. Hold on. I just want to put this out there. If he throws for 3,500 yards, he'll be ninth. And so the floor is yours. I'm of every time I turn on ESPN radio, we are talking about Justin Fields and whether he's the guy or not, or what is he doing wrong? Should the Bears move on? You, you had over the offseason, oh, the Bears, when they had the number one overall pick, trade him away to get Bryce Young. Like you said, we're I'm I'm tired of it. We're so quick to just throw away this guy. Now, granted, yes. You can say, Willie, you're being a hypocrite. Oh, you you said he was ruined the day he got drafted. Oh, you're right. I did say that. Let's look at why I said that. Because of who and where he went to. 
It had nothing to do with the ability. It had nothing to do with his his physical or intellectual acumen. It simply had to do with where this boy was going. And the moment he went there, the boy was doomed. He never had a chance. I honestly don't expect him to be back after next season. I I, I hope I'm wrong. The, the kid is ruined, plain and simple. I feel bad for the kid. They're trying to do the right thing. We're, they got him DJ Moore, who to me isn't really a one, but that's neither here nor there. There's, I'm not going to say there's nothing around it because they've made changes. They've tried to help him. He's, is he getting better? It doesn't look like it. This is, like you said, second year in a new system. So he's already been through two systems in three years. That doesn't work out well for most quarterbacks. It just does not. He needs stability. I'm not saying they won't give it to him. Ain't no telling. But if the rate, if the offense keeps going at the rate that it's looking, somebody else is going to get fired. Whether it's him, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, somebody's going to go again which means a new language to learn again, which decreases the chance of even becoming successful. Plummets at this point. The kid is a good football player. I'm not going to overlook the fact that he beat the San Francisco 49ers in a monsoon. People want to say, oh, the only line is the only reason why the 49ers lost because he was in a monsoon. He played in the same doggone weather, and he beat him. If you look at his QBR over the last – before the season started – the last, I think, seven or eight games, it wasn't bad. The kid is not a bad football player. Is he still young? Yes. Does he still need to grow? Yes. Does he need to work on his press conference? Oh, dear God, yes. That was horrible. Yes. But they got to protect this kid, man. They got to protect this kid. But he went to the wrong organization, plain and simple. Had he went anywhere else, I probably would have felt differently. But, like, Matt Jones went to the perfect spot for him until they decided not to have an offensive coordinator last year. Like, Jalen Hurts went to a perfect spot. He got to learn for a year. Philadelphia historically has done well with black quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, who went to the – I ain't going to say a perfect situation, but he went to a situation where he can launch it and flourish. He got held back at Oregon due to very conservative play calling. Tua got a mad scientist as a head coach. Lamar, they had they literally deconstructed their entire offense, built it into something he could work with. Then said, no, that ain't working. Bring in another guy. Still build it all around him. Joe Burrow, you want blocking or you want a wide receiver? Which one you want, Burrow? Give me my guy. And let's be real, Jamar Chase burnt Jalen Rams on the last play of the, of the Super Bowl. Everybody knows it, including Jalen Ramsey. Granted, the blocking failed, which made it even more ironic, but you have quarterbacks that's been given pieces. Dak, oh, dear God, all that he's been given. We got your Zeke. We built up the defense. We got rid of the clapper. Then we got rid of the offense coordinator. We got you Amari Cooper. We let go of Amari Cooper. We bring in CD. We bring in Brandon Cooks. We've got Tony Pollard. We gave you almost at one point in time the best offensive line ever assembled. Look at these other quarterbacks and what they've been given. Oh, Josh Allen. Oh, wow. Oh, we got you, Stephon Diggs. We haven't got you a running back yet for some reason, but don't worry about that. You got a solid number two. You got, oh, Dawson Knox is getting a little older. Oh, we'll get you another tight end. Cool. It's look at what these other quarterbacks have been given. And look at what this man has been given. They trotted out Chase Claypool out there last year, traded for him, and thought that was going to really help. 
as well as Pittsburgh has been able to develop wide receivers over the years, when I'm going all the way back to Antoine Randall L, Hines Ward, uh, Santonio Holmes, even Martavis Bryant was ultra productive when he was on the field. A.B., like the list goes on and on for Steeler wide receivers. If they let a guy go, that probably means the guy's hot garbage. They have a unprecedented, like whoever is their wide receiver scout, give me his number. And you trade it for him. And Pittsburgh was willing to let him go. That means the guy was no good. And if you look at his tape from week one, the guy definitely ain't even interested. So, yes, is Justin Fields doomed? Yes, he is. He's doomed. He was doomed the moment he got drafted by the Bears. But it's the Bears. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the guy flourishes. But he will be somebody's backup by 2025. I'm done. There's not much else I really need to say. I feel like you pretty much covered it all. So we're going to move to the Steelers versus the Browns. Because as you said, the Steelers know how to draft wide receivers. Like the idea that we currently have George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, who was out. We had Juju. We got Calvin Austin, who might not be great, but it, it is a solid pickup. Go Tigers. We know how to draft wide receivers. I'm so happy that we have Pickens, who I feel like is going to be – Deontay A is going to have a job when he gets back, but it's going to be as the number two. You know who I still feel bad for? James Washington. You remember James Washington, Willie? He's not a bad player either. But he lost his job. But he lost his job. And it's because the Steelers, you know. Really, really know how to draft wide receivers. If we don't know how to draft nothing else, we know how to draft wide receivers. This was a really interesting game. I was, I didn't see the game live, and then I was watching ESPN, and I was surprised at how poorly they were talking about Deshaun Watson, particularly the two big defensive plays that led to 14 points by the Steelers, both of which were not Deshaun's fault, but they kind of made it sound like it was. And I was like, I think, I think it was RG3 who was like, he didn't hold the ball correctly in the pocket. And I was like, because he was moving in the pocket. Like most players don't hold it that way in the pocket. And then end up, he got hit. Like there are other players who have gotten hit in the exact same position and dropped the ball. It happened to Kirk Cousins on last Thursday. I am really surprised at, those conversations because I saw multiple people saying Deshaun Watson is cooked and what I saw wasn't Deshaun Watson being cooked it was he ain't played in for real in years he came in last year on a short year and kind of made some stuff happen and is still getting back used to playing consistently do I think that he will like flourish and go back to 2020 form? Probably not. But if we're being honest, Deshaun Watson in Houston was a little bit reckless and wasn't like his ceiling was so high, but his floor was pretty average. And it looks like his ceiling and his floor have lowered. 
his ceiling is still pretty high, but his floor is that much lower. And we he is playing a lot closer to the floor in the first few, in what, first six games that he's played since. And he's four and four in those games. So he's been about average. One of the things that I don't talk about in the way that we could is Deshaun Watson's play for being amazing also didn't lead to success for the Texans when they didn't have the necessary pieces around him. He is in a position now where he has the necessary pieces around him. We just need him to get used to and get back into it. Now, if if it is week eight and he's still looking like this, then you can say something. But it's week two. I need people to like pump the brakes on. What are your thoughts on the Browns, Willie? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm address the the I'm address what I saw and I'm address the media comment second. I saw the entire second half. Was he very erratic with his accuracy? Yes, he was. He had a he had a couple passes where he looked like Deshaun Watson, like oh oh okay. Does he look slower? Yes. Does it look like he added some weight? Yes. That fumble recovered by T.J. Watt wasn't his fault. If you look at the play, the left tackle got completely eviscerated. I don't even think he got a hand on him, honestly. He's scrambling for his life. Yeah, it was the ball tucked away like I guess some people would love it to. No, it wasn't. But when you're running for your life, I highly doubt the ball is even toted properly. I mean, you had a – I mean, there's a freaking running back that named Shady McCord that had horrible ball placement. If you want to talk about tucking the ball away, he had some. Deshaun had some good moments. Like I said, his accuracy was, from what I saw, a bit erratic. It was. He needs to. He needs to correct that. Plain and simple. It, it, there were some throws he made that just, like, did you when it left your hand? Did you really think that was accurate? It was. It was very undeshawn like from what I seen. I was a bit disappointed by his performance overall. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make no bones about it. To say he's cooked. I, I'm going to say so AP doesn't have to. The media wants Deshaun Watson to fail because of his crimes. So any chance they got to say that he looks like he's cooked or he looks like he's done or he's not this or he's not that, the media has been instructed to say that and expound upon it and pound on it. That is the situation. Anything he does will not be good enough unless it's for 400 and four tutties in no interceptions, plain and simple. I do not believe that the NFL is fixed, but I do believe if there is a way to keep the Browns out of the Super Bowl, by all measures, it will be taken. Therefore, any criticism of him by the media will be dealt with accordingly. Um, and what I mean by that is that I will take it with a grain of salt because I know what the agenda is. I know what the goal is out there. Does he help himself? No. Last night, he did not help himself. He did not. No matter how you spin it, he did not help himself. But I do recognize bull jive when I see bull jive. There was not this much criticism, and I hate I hate this concept of look at somebody else, but there was literally a time period where I saw a quarterback throw five interceptions in a half in one half of football, and it's got no, it never has gotten anywhere near the criticism this does. Unfortunately, he did it to himself. 
with his crimes, allegedly, we'll say to use the word allegedly, and he's going to have to deal with that. Even Colin Cowherd called him a creepy guy multiple times on his radio show this morning. He kept mentioning creepy guy, creepy guy. So it's already, I think, a particular email by particular people in big black suits that drive big black trucks has already been sent, and the media's going to act accordingly. But unfortunately, that's the consequences of what he had did or did not do, allegedly. I think he will bounce back from that atrocious performance because it, it wasn't good. It was not a good performance from that bad performance. But I know Bull Jive when I see it. Kudos to the Steelers for winning. But from the Browns, in particular the Browns aspect, I will say I was uh, – shout out to uh, Nick Chubb, by the way. Get well soon. Um, that was hard to watch. That was hard to look at. The steel shot is god awful. And nobody that that should not be circulating around the internet at all. Uh what I saw. This is not his first horrific leg injury, because he had one in Georgia as well. I don't think it's the same leg. I hope it's not, but um he's had a horrific injury already at Georgia. And now he had this one and it's yeah, Godspeed, brother. Uh, I was highly impressed with the right tackle, though, how he was able to handle T.J. Watt. Not necessarily by himself. The Browns were smart enough, unlike other teams that I've seen in the NFL, to actually double-team the guy. I've never seen a player get not double-teamed as much as I've ever seen T.J. Watt. But that's neither here nor there. But kudos to the right tackle, especially being a rookie. Uh, he got help a lot, but he did hold his own on one-on-one blocks. He did get beat on one of them, I do believe. He did get beat on one. But he, for a rookie going up against one of the premier players in the NFL, he did an excellent job. And Jerome Ford, he had a great run, really great run. Got tripped up by Minka. Uh, but I think he'll be just fine. I'm not going to say he's going to be productive as Nick Chubb, because there is only one Nick Chubb. But I did like what I saw. A mark the step at all. Like, none. Najoku, um, you got to protect the ball because he had a ball that got punched out. You got to protect the football. He'll learn from that. Uh, Elijah Moore didn't look bad at all. Uh, I liked what I saw in a whole from a talent perspective from the Browns, but unfortunately, long as that particular man is their quarterback, they're going to be under a certain type of scrutiny, especially him. So that's just, unfortunately, the consequences of said alleged actions. So the only part I disagree with is the big black soups. I don't think that the edict has gone out to completely trash him. But the problem is he has not done himself any favors. And I think the best example of this is he has not put on the number 24 and played like he was, if he didn't play well, he was going to go to jail. He What he needs to do is go be 24 and get rid of that eight because that eight got a stain on it. He ain't doing that. He's still playing like he got the eight on. And it makes it that much easier for him to be criticized. Do I think that there is a general feeling of we can't praise him? Yes. But if he was playing at the same level as Tua, I think that there will be a whole lot less criticizing. But like I said, he's playing, he is not playing up to snuff. And that's allowing people 
to be able to say the things. I think that what we need to see is him play at a high level and see if they just gloss over the praise to determine whether or not the black suits are in fact involved. Okay. So you mentioned Nick Chubb. One of the things about the situation, it was, as you said, gruesome. I saw the highlight on social media and I was like, your leg's not supposed to do that. That's that's not that's not supposed to happen. I no, 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 no. My concern is his ability to come back because they said it's multiple torn ligaments, which looking at what happened, I'm surprised there was no broken bone. I think that this will lead to running backs continuing to be devalued, despite the fact that it has nothing to actually do with the position. But they're going to look at Nick Chubb and say, oh, you know, this is why you don't pay running backs. And earlier, and I was like, and I said, Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles last week, just like J.K. Dobbins. They are playing football. That this is what they end up dealing with. And you said what I think was one of the most profound things in that it is not, I am right. It's not a problem that is not what they should have to deal with, but it's their problem. And I think that Nick Chubb's injury in particular, as such a high-level running back, will be kind of the nail in the coffin for any premier running backs for the court over the course of the next four to five years. You're gonna need to have a CMC like player. Like Bijan might be able to break the uh break the mold. Because it from what I was reading recently, this is it's kind of a cyclical thing. They'll devalue running backs and then one will pop up and be so great that he'll get a really big deal. And once he gets his big deal, they'll be compelled to give other top running backs deals. And then one of those guys will get hurt and it gets devalued. And then somebody will pop up and be really, really good. And then it just keeps going. So what are your thoughts, Willie? Like we talked about it offline, it's not their fault, but it is their problem. And you have a situation where Nick Chubb, Saquon, Austin Eckler, David Montgomery. J.K. Dobbins. Check out Dobbins. They're gone, whether it's for three weeks or the entire season. You you have five guys right there that are gone. That's that's gonna be looked at. It's gonna unfortunately it's going to be held against them. But that's that's just where we're at. I hate it for them. Like you said, hopefully the cycle returns where B Hun can maybe break the mold, but we're looking at a situation, what, five years from now? Like B Hun won't be eligible for an extension for what? No, it'll be three years. So I don't it, it's a bad situation. It really is. And I feel bad for running backs because this doesn't help their I mean, this doesn't help their calls. Nothing about this helps their calls. And you just got the owners just sitting back taking notes, like, mm-hmm. Look, look at what happened. Look at what happened. Look at them. And Which- that's not that's that's not that's not what it is, actually. True. And I'm looking at it now. The idea of, oh, well, you know, they get hurt. Ravens, Adafi, Owe, out. Well, questionable right now. Odell Beckham, leg injury. 
Uh, the Bills, Von Miller with a leg injury. Panthers, Shaq Thompson. J.C. Horn. Like, any, Joe Burrow. Should have never been out there. Like, Jakeem Grant. There are so many players that we can just, like, readily look at and say, hey, they're, they're having similar problems. But because the conversation is so revol- revolves so much around running backs and them getting injured, the people don't actually pay attention to the fact that, you know, every position gets injured. We just don't talk about it as much. Christian Watson ain't played all season. Aaron Jones hurt himself, but he didn't get hurt because he got hit. He got hurt running in for a touchdown. And so it's it will continue to be frustrating to hear about the conversations about running backs when it's generally unfair to them. But, I mean, we've talked about it before. Life ain't fair, but it's football. It's all going to work itself out. And then the worst part of it all is what's the kid's name from uh, who Jerome Ford? Yes. Came in and had 107 yards last night. That does not help. <laughs> That's the worst part of it. Like, there's no there, – people feel like there's no need to pay running backs because they're replaceable. But what people de- generally don't think about is the fact that, you know, if you have a elite-level running back, it's the same as having an elite-level quarterback. You don't – they are not easily replaceable. And so that is all the time we have for this week. We want to thank you for listening to the All Purpose NFL Podcast with AP and Trey. We are on social media. We are on all podcast platforms. And we ask you to have a good one.